Hey, it's Paul here again. Just a quick reminder that today's episode is one of our very first episodes that we recorded and released, and it's before we started using immersive storytelling techniques like sound design and music and narration. Now, of course, the story itself is very powerful and very relevant to today, but if you enjoy those types of elements like sound design and narration and music, then make sure to listen to some of our newer content that we've released as well. And now, on to the show. 40,000 acres were burned at that time, and 1,600 people were displaced, including Wilderness Ridge. The house that we lived in was destroyed, total devastation in uh, not only property, but, you know, our lives. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Compelled, real people telling true stories of God's compelling love working in their lives. I'll tell you more about Compelled and share a sneak preview of our next episode right after our story. Today, you'll hear from Ron Hunt, the former director of Camp Wilderness Ridge and a man whose life has been marked by relentless service to the Lord. Ron has faced a multitude of trials throughout his life, yet as you'll hear, he's remained steadfast in his faith and God continues to work through him. We hope you'll be blessed by his story. All right. Well, today I'm here with Ron Hunt from Camp Wilderness Ridge. And Ron, I have known you for many years, actually. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I think I've known you for close to either 15 or 16 years. And it's just a real pleasure to be sitting here and uh, asking you questions. For those that are listening, can you just tell uh, a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself? My testimony is that I didn't uh, really come to Christ till I was 35. However, I'd been, I went to church every Sunday and was involved in lots of different uh, activities in the church and leadership roles uh, with adults. Uh, of course, we were, I was a young adult at that point, and uh, with young couples, with my wife Sandy, and, uh, and all those things. But I didn't uh, it was only 35 when I really came to understand that I never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can you tell us more about that? The um, well, I started. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had my own business at that time. My business was going very well, and my family was going very well, and my life is going very well. And so, unlike a lot of people that come to Christ because they're in the depths, I was like, "Is this all there is?" Because wow. I was really looking around and saying, I've kind of arrived at where I wanted to go, and it didn't have any real satisfaction. So I started uh, trying to understand what did I believe as a Christian. I connected with two friends I had, one who I'd gone to school with, and he got invited me to go be a part of uh, Bible Study Fellowship. Yeah. And... Uh, The other gentleman was Joe, uh, and he uh, was doing Bible studies in his home. So I started getting, I got involved in both of those. And then one Saturday morning, Joe came over and uh, asked me if I'd want to go take a ride. And so we did. And he presented the four spiritual laws uh, handout to me. And I realized at that moment, God opened my eyes that I didn't didn't know him. Wow. And uh, so uh, it, that's when my life completely changed. 
Interesting. Interesting. Tell tell me about your family, your 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 children. Well, I have uh, uh, we we're blessed with four children. The first part of our children's lives were uh, blessings. You know that Sandy and I would talk from time to time. And, you know we've been really blessed. No real illnesses or injuries. And then we started to experience some challenges. Our son uh, Brian. He was our oldest son. We caught him on his birthday sneaking out of the house and realizing that he had been doing that for a while and uh, uh, then started to recognize there was um, some drug use going on there. And uh, it just uh, was a a huge impact on all our family. Mm. He uh, He ran away on several occasions. He had gotten involved in heroin, which is, you know, very difficult to get off. And uh, he um, um, died of a drug overdose uh, at, on his birthday, uh, on his 26th birthday. Oh, wow. You know, heroin's a terrible, terrible death. It's because uh, you just, your body shuts down. And if somebody's not around you at that time to wake you up, it you just stop breathing and that was in 2000 the year 2000 and then in 2001 um, our son Jeff had just finished doing um, summer internship at our church and uh, he started feeling uh, sick so they took him uh, had him go down to the hospital and and run some tests and um the test um, showed up some things that were uh, they weren't sure about, so they went ahead and admitted him to the hospital. But uh, basically, by that evening, they started talking about leukemia. And uh, we uh, had had at our church uh, uh, one family that very close to us that the, the mother had uh, been diagnosed with leukemia and about three years later, passed away. Um, and how old was Jeff at this time? He was 19. 19 and diagnosed with leukemia. As it progressed, they gave him some chemo. And um, what was collecting on the outside of his lungs was light blood cells. And so he was starting to suffocate. As they gave him this medication, then it started killing those uh, cells and it was collecting fluid in there. So they cut him open on his side, and this was just in his regular hospital room, and started to drain that out. Well, the doctor, I was standing in the room, and the doctor was collecting this in this container, and the next thing I know, he's yelling at the nurse to get another one. He was losing blood faster than they could put him in, and they put had put him into ICU. And so... Um, I had a really close friend that was an elder and um, let them know that I'd like for them to come pray for him. And uh, we saw the first miracle. The, uh, the elders came and uh, anointed him with oil and prayed for him, and that became under control. So he was very, you know, obviously losing blood faster and put it in is not— not some way you're going to live very long. Wow. Just saw God, God moving in that. And I think part of it is 
the devastation was losing our other son. And so God wanted to assure us that he was in control of this situation. Yeah. He was diagnosed um, the 1st of August, went home on the 11th of September, as I mentioned, and uh, they had a donor within a couple of months, which they prepared us that that could take a year. This was on 9-11-2001. Oh, wow. We find out that the man that was that met all the criteria for being the donor was in the Army Reserve, and he had been called up. And he was identified, and they were able to contact him within a couple of days of him having the required in, injections to go overseas like that. Well, the moment he would have had that, he would have been disqualified. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So they were able to get the, the permission for him to be delayed on having that happen so that he could give the bone marrow to us. So he had his bone marrow transplant on December 7th of 2001. So it's been 17 years. The clinic in San Antonio where this took place is uh, going to be celebrating their 25th anniversary in August and uh, they've contacted him about uh, being one of the featured kind of poster boys. Wow! <laughs> and uh, uh, for that event, and the doctor that uh, Dr. Shanessy is was his doctor. Uh, Jeff is the longest living patient he has. What did this do for for you and your wife Sandy, uh, and especially to your faith? watching one son tragically die, and then a, a year later having another son diagnosed with a very deadly condition. We didn't dwell on some of it because it was just things were happening so fast. Yeah. We uh, praise God for the fact that he had brought us to Hill Country Bible Church, and we uh, were truly a part of the Hill Country Bible Church family. You know, people were coming and mowing our lawn. People were coming and picking up our laundry every two or three days. Every So we had all those logistics, and people were taking care of us and uh, and just being, you know, loving on us and, and, and caring for us. It's amazing to see how God's body comes together in such a special way uh, at moments like that. And thanks for sharing that. Let's transition over to Camp Wilderness Ridge. We had mentioned earlier at the beginning of this interview that you were the former camp director uh, at Camp Wilderness Ridge. Can you tell us how you first got connected with the camp? Well, I uh, became aware of Wilderness Ridge. I had a good friend. Uh, his name was Neil Kanagi. Neil had told me about the camp. Uh, and then one day he started talking to me about that there was a camp director position open and uh, invited me to consider it. Uh, so we went out there and um, and toured the the facilities and saw the camp director's home that they had had uh, built and started praying about it. We had always talked about doing you know something like hospitality uh, in our old our latter years. Sandy and I had we had the experience of. Uh, working with with kids because we'd had four children and we'd homeschooled uh, a couple of them and uh, so we, we had a kind of a revolving door at our house so uh, 
definitely felt God was calling us. Tell us about the mission and purpose of Camp Wilderness Ridge. What makes it unique from other Christian camps? I asked a similar question when I first came. I said, you know, what is the real, how would you state what the purpose is? And um, a lady named Betty Klecky, her, her, her husband was uh, very instrumental in uh, starting the camp. He was deceased, so I didn't get a chance to meet him. But she said he, he would say uh, to lead boys to Christ. And so that really stuck with me because it, it struck me. It wasn't this presenting the gospel to somebody and them, and them coming to faith, but you're always leading them to Christ. You know, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it's very specific about and make disciples that, uh, that learn how to follow what I've commanded you. Yeah. And so it's an ongoing thing. Let me ask you this. So Wilderness Ridge has been around for over 30 years. I know that in the last, uh, I guess, 13 years, you've been involved at the camp. But in just the last handful of years, some some really tough times have happened to the camp. Could you kind of share about those experiences? Uh, yes, I'd be glad to. Uh, God has put some challenges in front of us. Uh, it started in 2011 uh, on Labor Day weekend. Uh, on a Sunday, the uh, a fire started, I think it was maybe five miles away from Wilderness Ridge. I got the phone call, and we were in Arlington, and it, I mean, in, in Austin. And uh, the it's, it was an hour drive from where we were back to the camp. And uh, by the time we got to back to the camp, we couldn't get to the camp itself uh, because the fire had already jumped over the highway. And that was, you know, in less than an hour, they'd probably gone two miles. So it was moving very, very rapidly. By the next morning, it, it, the Wilderness Ridge was completely destroyed. Well, wow, and that's a, 100 acres of prime timber. Incredibly beautiful. And uh, just Christine in, in every aspect. And it was a perfect camping site because it had these ravines that guys could play and uh, make up all kinds of uh, exciting adventures through. And it was just an incredibly beautiful place. And uh, so the loss is not only Wilder's Ridge, but all of us that uh, ever have been through that forest and uh, had seen how beautiful it was and how devastated it's been. And so, um, you know, almost... Uh, 40,000 acres were burned at that time, and 1,600 uh, people were displaced, and uh, including Wilderness Ridge. The house that we lived in was destroyed. Total devastation in, uh, of not only property, but you know our lives. So how did the camp begin to recover at that point? We were able to find property just two miles away, and uh, that had been a camp, uh, not a summer camp, but a of a, ru a rustic camping envir environment that we were able to make arrangements to uh, to start to utilize and be able to build out the structures we needed. It already had a commercial kitchen, so uh, by the next summer we were able to be established so that we could uh, do summer camp uh, once again. And the, being just two miles away from our other property, which had a you know a lake on it, uh, we were able to uh, 
transport the guys back and forth to be able to take advantage in doing the canoeing and fishing and and uh, activities like that. We had volunteers that were coming and coming and coming, and you know, some would come and say, we're going to build this cabin, and we're going to build this cabin, and uh, it gets done. And uh, I could go back and recall many stories where you can certainly see God's provision. And this is what year at this point? This is 2015, and uh, another fire has started in the area. Now, the it was... It was east of us. It was kind of northeast of us where it started, and it was going south, and it had stayed on a pretty much just direct south. So it was parallel to the camp, and so we had no reason at that point to be concerned at all about that fire. But the winds changed and brought it right back up and right across our new property and destroyed everything. And, of course, at that point, we had three families living on that property and uh, staff people, and um, so their homes were destroyed. One of them had only been married uh, about six, uh, 60 days. Wow. So they lost everything. But to make matters worse, it also went down and went through our old property again and destroyed all the the trees, which were up about 12, 10 to 12 feet by the, at that point. All so the that trees would, that had been replanted. Replanted. We'd work with the Texas forestry, and we planted <clears throat> over 30,000 trees. And so um, that property was gone, too. I mean, because it really charred the soil a lot more than it did the first time. So we, we didn't have any place at that point, so we started looking for land in the area. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical, cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. 
And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of the Apple Podcast's top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. What was it like being the camp director at Wilderness Ridge, where so many boys for so many years had, had come and made lifelong memories there, and many had found Christ there, but then watching the camp just completely be burned down to the ground, not once, but twice, over the course of just four years. What was that like for you? Well, it was hard all of the times. As I said, the, the fact was that there was a, a natural beauty there that we couldn't replace. God created it, and uh, God would have to create it again. And uh, it really set me back. How do you, you know, where, where are we going with this? What's God really uh, teaching us, and how do we go forward? And as the 2015 fire was happening, I'd already stepped down as the executive director. I was still involved. With, I was going to stay involved with the camp, but I wasn't doing, didn't have that full responsibility. Uh, and and you had also had um, open heart surgery recently as well. Is that correct? Right, right, right. And I'd been diagnosed with uh, bladder cancer, uh, which is gone. And uh, today, and my heart's doing fine. Praise God. So God's. Uh, God's in all of it, and uh, so it, it, it's just it's, it's big disruption in, in the continuity of the camp, obviously. It's just the biggest challenge we have with all of that is it, keeping in mind that we were, try, we're striving to be low cost, and uh, so we hit, you know, that just put another huge pressure on us as we might try to find another place, and uh, recognizing the places we're looking were just raw land i mean literally no electricity even to them or water or things so there was all of those lead times after we found a place that would have to be uh taken care of before we could ever start start to have the camp having all those lead times uh to to overcome we started looking at alternatives and one of the alternatives was to work with the uh, to turn all our assets over to a, a camp that was established. And so we uh, chose to go with uh, Forest Glen Camps, uh, who's headquartered in Huntsville, uh, Texas. They uh, have two camps there. And then they also have a camp in Rosebud, Texas. And Rosebud, Texas camp is the one that we're uh, occupying now. Uh, but we've uh, built that out. And we have a Wilderness Ridge section to that so that when we're in session, we're completely isolated from any other group that might be there uh, doing their camp activities. I have a beautiful 13-acre spring-fed lake. Wow. And uh, so it's, uh, it's a wonderful environment, and God's given us a great opportunity. And so that's where we are today and moving forward. And we had summer camp last year, and we start in about three weeks uh, with our second year of operation. You and I were talking on the phone just a few weeks ago, 
and you were mentioning how you know all these things have happened uh and i believe you mentioned that how old are you now ron i'm 71 you're 71 but uh, on the phone, you mentioned that you know God still hasn't finished with you yet, and that you believe that you know however God is calling you to still work within His kingdom, that you're still ready and willing to go wherever He sends. And can you tell us a little bit about the mission trip that you just came back from back in November? Yes, I was privileged enough to uh, go uh, to India. We are up in the mountains. We uh, would go out each day. Uh, we being a group of eight of us, uh, we would uh, have a translator and we would also have a representative of the local church. So we went into a village uh, and we would go from house to house. We would talk with them. Uh, the, the, most of them were Hindu. Uh, so that meant they met, they uh, had lots of gods. So as you started presenting Jesus Christ, they would, uh, you could see that they could recognize and understand that, but you could also recognize they were just going to, they were kind of going in the direction of, well, we can just put that on the shelf with all the other gods. Add them to the pantheon. Yeah, and so uh, just, uh, so we would uh, go into more detail about, you know, there, Jesus is the only way to God, and we had 85 uh, accept Christ during the about eight days that we were there. Ron, I'm a younger guy, as you know, and when I think of someone that's lived out their life in service to God's kingdom, I think of you. What kind of advice would you give to Christians about living faithfully for Jesus? When you look at Scripture, especially Paul is always talking about going forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is not be looking back. And evaluating what you didn't do, yeah, is where am I going from? What am I going to do right now going forward? And the next critical part is uh, that my job is to share the faith. You know, there again, I go back to Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty because it just sums it all up. Jesus says, you know, first of all, he tells you he has all the authority. And he ends that by saying, and I'll always be with you. And we need to remember, God is always with us. And he's with you right now. And so you've got the encouragement that you've got the all-powerful, because you've got all authority, and that he's with you all the time. And what does he want you to do? He wants you to go tell other people about who God is and to disciple them. I encourage uh, people that um, as they get into the retirement years, and I read a statistic yesterday, there's 35 million people in the United States that are 65 years of age or older. The interesting part is that uh, that group we want to call teenagers, uh, there's only 23 million so oh, wow. we outnumber them. <laughs> the seniors outnumber the young adults is what you're saying. Right, 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 right. I mean, we always talk about how the this generation is our future, but we need to understand we're the ones that are shaping that future. The seniors. Yeah, seniors are. because And if we go sit on the bench, all we're doing is what? Demonstrating sitting on the bench. Mm. If we're still actively pursuing life, with gusto, then they're going to pursue life with gusto. 
they're going to have a life that's worthwhile when it's all encased with a faith in Jesus Christ. That's great. For those that are listening and that might live in the Texas area or Texas vicinity, and they want to learn more about Camp Wilderness Ridge, either how to volunteer or send their sons there, uh, where where can they go for um, more information? They can go to forestglen.org slash forward slash wilderness ridge forestglen.org forward slash wilderness ridge right great all right well ron thank you so much for sharing i really appreciate you taking time out of your day this morning to just share and uh hopefully uh, invest in the lives of young people that are listening but also older folks that are listening as well oh i hope so i hope so uh, for all and to god's glory all right thanks for being on the show my pleasure It's encouraging to hear how God has preserved Ron and kept his faith intact even through many difficult circumstances. And God continues to use Ron through the ministry of Camp Wilderness Ridge and his testimony. You can learn more about Wilderness Ridge at their website. And just so you know, Ron emailed me last week to clarify that they have a new web address. It's forestglenwildernessridge.com. Again, that's forestglenwildernessridge.com. We launched our podcast last week, and the response was overwhelming. So thank you, everyone who listened to our episodes and shared them. We appreciate you guys. You can find all of our episodes and more at our website, compelledpodcast.com. You can also hear our episodes by subscribing to Compelled on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or Pocket Cast. If you enjoyed our show, then we'd super appreciate it if you'd leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, consider sharing this episode with others that would be blessed by Ron's story. Our show was edited by Zach Fowler, who is a gifted film editor, visual effects artist, and storyteller. You can find Zach and his work at ZachFowlerImagery.com. Our logo was designed by Josiah Jost, an incredibly talented logo designer. You can reach Josiah and view his work at SideDesign.com. Our website was created by Ben Billups, a digital developer extraordinaire. You can follow Ben on Instagram at ben.billups. Special thanks to my wife, Sarah Hastings, for helping make this project a reality. Without her, this podcast wouldn't exist. And that's it for this episode. Stick around after the music for a sneak peek at our next episode. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and you've been listening to Compelled. We'll see you next Tuesday. Turned to the Lord and said, God, I am scared. I, I'm not going to live through this night. I'm terrified. I don't want to go to hell. I'm, my life is a wreck. I feel like there's no hope for me. And at that point, uh, a light didn't shine out of heaven. I did not hear an audible voice, but I really do believe I sensed the presence of God and His, His Spirit speaking to me and essentially telling me something I'd heard preached growing up many times. It just didn't sink in. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. 
It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com.